0: Uh, the laws of mathematics are, are, are um, very commendable, but the only law that applies in Australia is the law of Australia.
1: Broadcasting from Brisbane, Australia, this is the FOMO Show.
0: I'm Matt. And I'm Joe. And this is a podcast where you'll hear about blockchain, cryptocurrency, emerging markets, and future tech in relatively plain English.
1: We'll help you stay across what's going on so you don't get the fear of missing
0: out. You can find us at FOMO.show or by searching for The FOMO Show on your platform of choice.
1: So everything in this show is in the show notes. Um, check it out for the links um, to the stuff we're talking about um, and, and timestamps. So you can just go ahead and skip to the bits that you want to listen to. So
0: this is episode, we're going to be asking what's going on with smart cities. What's the technology behind them? Um, what mm. directions are they going to they're going to be implemented in, and uh, yeah, we're just generally going to do a deep dive in the smart cities.
1: So that's the big question we're asking. We're also going to be covering, you know, what's going on with censorship, um, what Facebook might be doing with crypto, and we'll be covering one of the cheapest security investments you can make.
0: Cool. Let's get into it.
1: Instead of a sponsor for this episode, we're giving a shout out to SafeWords by Coin Storage Guru. Um, you can find them at coinstorage.guru.
0: Yeah, so SafeWords is a brilliantly simple way of physically distributing your seed phrase for any of your cryptocurrency wallets by dividing it into three cards, each with two-thirds of your phrase on it.
1: Then you can, you can stick these cards in three different locations, um, and they give the example of, you know, give one to your grandma, one to your lawyer, and we'll keep one for yourself. And with any two of the three cards, you can piece together the full code, but you can't just with any one of them. Mm. Which is really cool.
0: Yeah, it's a really interesting idea. So if you want to maximize your security, this is a great way to go. You can pick up the three-card set for just $15 US. Uh, They're beautifully made and ready to go with helpful instructions included. And if you use the code FOMO, so F-O-M-O at checkout... You get 10% off your order.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I bought one of those more recently, and it's really clever. Mm, You even talked about the the envelope it came in. Oh, it
1: looked amazing. Like, really, (laughs) really well put together. It's um, Brendan's the brains behind that operation. Shout out to you, man. Brilliant product. And, yeah, we love it. So, yeah, use the code FOMO, uppercase F-O-M-O, at the checkout for 10% off.
0: If you want to be part of the show, you can record a voice message in Telegram or email it to us at FOMOshow at ProtonMail.com. So what have you been up to the last couple of weeks? Yeah, mate, I um, I just finished up yesterday with the Block Conscious Summit, which nice. happened here in Brisbane. So we finally got our own big uh, blockchain and cryptocurrency yeah. summit and uh, it was really good. Really good three days, lots of interesting speakers. I spoke on the Friday um, nice. and uh, and there were just just a number of... Uh, our international speakers, a number of Australian speakers and some really good local speakers from here in, in Brisbane as well. So, wow. yeah, great day. We had a lot of fun. Uh, it was especially really good to see how many women were there. Right. I was really surprised and there were a lot of women presenting on the different days and uh, the ladies from the Crypto Clothesline podcast uh, right. were there, so we'll put the link to their podcast in the show notes. Uh, I did a little interview with them. Yeah, just, just a really good overall three days. We had uh, Roger Ver call in at one point um we had John McAfee nice uh call in as well yeah look number of sessions there were some some consciousness speakers there too um but yeah mate just overall really good three days when you go to a lot of these events it's 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 really cool because a lot of the people are quite similar to you you know mm-hmm. they've come they've been attracted to cryptocurrency for the same reason especially when there's a bear market on mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. prices keep dropping the people that turn up to these events seem to be more here for the ideological reasons for being <laughs> into crypto rather than just the money. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, yeah, that, that was really good to see. So what have you been up to? I've been uh, getting ready for
1: switching over to my new job, so that's been pretty exciting. Learning a lot about networking, cloud security and all these massive buzzwords. Um, also been trying to get the FOMO show to work on the Google Assistant. I mm. uh, ran a test the other day. Um, you can go, OK Google, um, play the latest episode of the FOMO show. It doesn't hear FOMO show yet, but... We'll get there,
0: and you've been talking about a lot of the cool ways that that s- system's going to be expanded too. Oh,
1: the whole voice thing is insane. Like, there's now gonna, there's now code markup that you can put in articles on your website, the bit that should be spoken aloud. So Google will be scanning your news articles and things like that, and it will, if you highlight the sentence that's got the key bit that could be spoken aloud. Google will be reading the news and reading results in the future and this is the way it's going. And it's a cool little piece of news also to do with some more stuff Google are doing in search. So we'll cover that in a bit. Mm. Yeah. Mate, is this investment advice?
0: Mate, this is not investment, legal, financial, tax or any other type of advice. Uh, New cryptocurrencies and new technologies seem to be popping up every day. It's hard to know which one's are legitimate or not. We're not saying you should buy anything at all. So... The key point is,
1: if we talk about the project, um, it doesn't mean you should buy it. Um, so do your research, never invest more than you can afford to lose, and avoid the fear of missing out.
0: If you're new around here and new to crypto, you can check out our Blockchain Basics series. It starts from Episode 2 and continues on till Episode 8. It will give you some grounding in the fundamentals
1: and help you understand what on earth we're talking about. Do you know what I'd be so excited to revisit blockchain basics as like yeah. part of like a, a web like a mixture of web page with like smaller clips in it. That yeah. would be so exciting.
0: Yeah, we could even do like some video stuff as well. Oh, mate. Some video stuff. Some video stuff. When we get when we have some time. Video. <laughs> we
1: have time. My New Year's resolution, which I made in August, is a more FOMO show this year. That is my a hey, that is yeah. More FOMO show.
0: I can always get on board with more FOMO show. <laughs> we all need more FOMO show. On to the news. This one's out of CCN.com. The article says that blockchain is the fastest growing skill in the US freelance job market.
1: According to the second quarter of 2018's Upwork Skills Index, blockchain took um, the top position, beating 5,000 other skills and... Um, and, yeah, the top five fastest-growing skills in the second quarter of 2018 were blockchain, Google Cloud Platform, Volusion, which is some e-commerce platform, risk management, and product photography.
0: Wow. That's a really strange list, isn't it? I wonder if it's because there's not, there wasn't that many people who were doing it as a skill beforehand, so mm. it was easy for them to be top five fastest-growing mm. skills. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other thing to say is I wonder how much of that is... Legitimate. I mean, I get I get emails nearly every day on LinkedIn now, being like, "Hello, sir, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> it's me. I, <laughs> I have a full full blockchain development company full of developers ready to develop product for you." <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh yeah, pull the other one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take two.
0: <laughs> and you, I mean, if you go on a site like Freelance or anything mm. else, it's just like. Poison. Yeah. (laughs) I will build your white paper. I will build your ICO. How much? $300. Great. It's a race to the bottom. That's right.
1: What's this whole thing I'm hearing about this Ethereum's proof of authority that's on the Microsoft Azure platform?
0: Yeah, so Microsoft Azure, we've covered them before. They're a managed... Web services platform essentially, and they've mm. they've branched out into blockchain, so that you can spin up like blockchain nodes on their platform and integrate it with your all, all your other Azure stuff. Cool. But they've essentially worked out, I think somewhere in the, in somewhere along the line, someone said, "Well, we've got these Ethereum nodes running, and we've still got miners mining them. But why do we even need the miners? Mm. Because it's a permission blockchain, and all the nodes, the only people that can run nodes are people that have permission to do it." And so they've ported their system, Ethereum system, they've dr- taken out the proof of work consensus algorithm which runs on it and they've brought in a proof of authority algorithm similar to what runs on Neo.
1: Right.
0: And what it is essentially is if you have, if you can prove that you've got the authority to be running a node mm-hmm. on that network, which is quite easy to do mm-hmm. because you're spinning it up in as you are, then you've got permission to produce blocks. Right. Right, right. So it's kind of taken out that whole proof of work thing altogether because it's not really applicable. So that means like, instead those.
1: of having to like waste all this computing power trying to mine transactions and yep. all those crazy things, yep. you can just, if you're a private company, you can just set up a few different nodes that yep. host the blockchain and then you just give them permission to run it and they run it and there's no...
0: That's right. As long as you've got permission from mm. the, the managed system to run it, you can produce nodes. So right. it just makes things even quicker cool. for them from their system and cuts down on all of the waste. Keen. i mean it's just it's just more evidence that these blockchains like the the algorithms that operate underneath them can be swapped out mm. and uh, i think cosmos mm. tendermint which we've talked about before mm. they're doing a similar thing where you can swap out different consensus algorithms right so, right, right, yeah yeah because I, I saw that and it was like oh
1: yeah the underlying ether has no value and i was like that's a very good point because yeah. you're setting up a private blockchain yeah it doesn't have any value you just yeah. want to do smart contracts yeah. and that's yeah. pretty exciting
0: so there's been a lot in the news recently about censorship. It's
1: kind of interesting. Depends on your perspective. It's a bit of a political hot topic at the moment. But the main piece of news that came out of AP um, a couple, uh, it was probably a couple of weeks back mm. now, um, InfoWars, which is this it's a news website that's run by some sort of famous conspiracy theorist, Alex Jones. Yeah, Alex Jones. Jones, yeah. Now, love him or hate him, his Infowars news site was banned in symphony across Facebook, YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, all in concert. Now, these guys might be, you know, nuts. They might it not might not be your news platform of choice, but banning them all like it was like within twelve hours mm. of each other, they all decided hate speech and you know banned it, mm. which is kind of scary for a few different reasons. The first one is like if if you think they're they're idiots then surely you can just, like, if you let an idiot say something in public, everyone can see yep. what they're saying and that they're an idiot. Yeah. It's so weird that we're sort of limiting speech like
0: that. Yeah, and, and the thing is, too, with Alex Jones is he he's a known quantity as mm. well. Like, but he's been saying, whether you agree with him or not, he's been saying these things for years and years and years, and mm. he's got a big following. So it's not like he's he's no one. It's mm. not like he's the the Nazi pug that you showed me before you know like <laughs> <laughs> um, but he's in own quantity and he's you know he's taken this line for a long time he's not saying anything that a lot of other people aren't saying mm. either mm. you know
1: Maybe it's just because he has quite a big
0: platform. Mm. But
1: on the bright side, though, it will drive growth of these decentralized alternatives yeah. like yeah. BitShoot, yeah. that a few different YouTubers have been talking about yeah. quite recently. And it's kind of important because if you're uploading videos saying stuff to YouTube, it might not be a problem, but, yeah. I mean, it could be in the future.
0: Well, and that's what made these platforms so popular in the first place. You know, I mean, I think a lot of these companies now, they're so big, they forget why people began using their platform to start off with and mm. YouTube people you started using YouTube because it was an open platform you could put whatever video you wanted up there and it, they'd host it and people could go see it and that was it there were no restrictions there was nothing you know nothing too much mm. and then they brought in the copyright stuff and that, that was only a little that only affected a tiny portion of the people but the more they move away from that everyone can participate everything's decentralized ethos then people are going to start looking for other solutions and the other thing to say is too I think because you see some people and they they don't like Alex Jones and they're mm-hmm. looking at this and they're saying, "Oh, this is great," you know. We got his mm-hmm. stuff taken down, but mm-hmm. you've got to, you've always got to think if it can happen for one side, or if it can happen for certain people, it can also mm-hmm. happen for you. Mm-hmm. And I think we all need to be very careful with that. And my personal view is that we should always be advocating for more freedom to say people to say what they want even if we don't agree with them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because if we start taking things down because they we don't agree with one thing you know if, if the next government gets in power and or, or the ceo changes and they have a different political view those things can very quickly shift right. and all of a sudden you might be on the receiving end and so i think it's always even if you don't agree with someone it's always better to abrogate for freedom of speech mm. over control mm. because those things are very subjective and that hate really speech stuff these. is oh,
1: has the potential it's to chilling, be very man. dangerous. It,
0: it really does because there's no real definition on mm. on, on hate speech mm. and I mean I I even saw um, a friend of a friend of ours who lives here in Brisbane he's he runs a company and he was trying to uh, post a job in the uh, on the government job search mm. uh, for, to fill a position in his startup, mm. and uh, the the he got a message from whoever the administrator of the system was saying your job has been removed because it contains material that might be controversial. Now there was no there was no guidance on what material mm. what the material was there was no definition of what the controversial aspect of it was and they actually said down the bottom you can reapply once you've removed the controversial material but but no one knows what that controversial material mm. is and mm. it's a trend we're seeing more and more and more you know there's no if you set the goalposts people know mm. wh- where they need yeah, to be yeah, within those yeah. goalposts you know and that's that's why laws generally they try and be so unambiguous about it because if you're going to go to jail for something you need to know exactly what you can do and exactly Mm. what you can't do but a lot of these companies they're just taking things down and there's Mm. no dialogue going on there's nowhere you can go to look at the guidance as to the the guidance will generally say we prohibit hate speech or we prohibit coarse language and it's like well what does that mean
1: Mm. and just because I'm offended at something you say it doesn't mean I should get it shut down because I think you're professing hate speech
0: Exactly, and I mean, look, and they, these these companies are private entities, so they can true, set the, the, their own rules. But I think that the problem is, is just there's just not that much information. Mm. There's not, there's mm. no guideposts. Mm. There's mm. no nothing to aim towards. Mm. And uh, look, if it means that we have got to decentralize alternatives, then all the better.
1: True that. <laughs> So, on the similar vein, what was going on in Bangladesh the other week?
0: Yeah, so I, I messaged you, um, it was one morning, I think it was on the weekend, and mm. I, I said, mate, have you seen what's going on in Bangladesh? And what this what the story actually was, was that there were these students, and they were, they'd been protesting for about a week because two students had been hit by buses right. on two separate occasions. Eesh. and apparently the road rules there are, like the, the, the traffic rules there right, are right, right, right. no one okay. no one abides by them people will just get mowed down in the street Sheesh. and the vehicles will keep going and Sheesh. it just happens again and again mm. and again so these students actually took it into their own hands and they started making like emergency lanes on the wow. on the um, on the roads and they started checking licenses and wow. all also just basically took the law into their own hands because wow. the government's not going to do anything Sheesh. our friends are dying um, so we're just gonna have to try and you know, do some self-regulation here and, and make the this safer for the everyone. Country. Yeah, and so it was. It was actually, and everyone said it was pretty positive. They were just donating their time to to make the road safer. And on the seventh day, the uh, the government, so the police force mm-hmm. and the pro-government students, mm-hmm. um, essentially descended upon these these students who were just trying to. They were protesting, but they were actively out there mm-hmm. um, regulating traffic. Started beating them. There was a number of people that ended up killed, uh, including some of the girls who were raped and killed. Sheesh. And uh, instead of you know instead of stopping it and the government stopping it and telling the police to back off, uh, they cut all the internet off, cut all the communication off. No information was able to get out, and a lot of these people were taken to police stations and the police weren't doing a lot of the actual beating they were leaving it to these pro-government students to do so they had like exactly it was a real blind eye and uh progressively all the connections went down in the entire country so no news could get out of what was going on and so people were uploading documents like google drive and like and then they got taken down so they're like trying to find other places to upload these videos of like people being beaten it was all there on the reddit Pages and it was harrowing, like watching how a a state entity uh, and people supported by the states could effectively shut all communication down from a country mm. and uh, and do these horrible things to a certain sector of society. So,
1: <sighs>
0: yeah, mate, it was <laughs> it was it was pretty full on. Um, mm. But you know, it, it it just goes to show that. Uh, Censorship is still alive and well mm. in certain sectors, and it's not just North Korea. Mm. Uh, there's other governments that are still doing it, and it's just you know reinforces the need to for us to have decentralised methods of communication and to be more concerned about our privacy.
1: Well, that's a good start to the news. Um- <laughs> Let's bring it up a note. Tesla are set to build a gigafactory, a potential gigafactory car plant in Shanghai. Now, from the article that was in Reuters, it said it would double the size of the electric car maker's global manufacturing. That's their story, really.
0: So, Tesla had done anything in China before?
1: Um, I don't think they've had factories there. Like you've right. heard about the gigafactory, like yeah, the largest yeah. factory by footprint or second largest building by footprint on the yep. planet. Putting something in China would be insane because yeah. I mean that's what they need. Like they're just they're they're not they're not stopping.
0: No, they're not. I mean, you look at the smog in that place too. If they can <laughs> if they can suck any electric vehicles in there and mm. and stop a lot of that pollution. And
1: wasn't it Shanghai that switched all their buses to like electric or one
0: so? yeah, of those big cities? Done. I think I did see th- that something like that. The other news out of Tesla is huge.
1: Yeah, they said that 99% of the US population is now within 150 miles of a supercharger.
0: So what does that mean?
1: Um, That means free travel or free fuel wherever you are in the US if you own a Tesla. Mm. And if you don't own a Tesla, but you own another electric vehicle, you'll probably pay them a good amount of money Mm. for
0: supercharging. I
1: Mm. think they might even be charging for using the supercharger.
0: Even for Tesla vehicles?
1: Maybe I'm not can't be sure. Right, but, but it does mean you can get
0: everywhere in North America Shh. without having to worry about like running out, of, being mm, too far away mm. from a. a le-
1: oh mate, this is it's exciting. You see, you can see the map with all the dots on it.
0: And There's a lot of dots. They've covered the map. Yeah, pretty well. Hmm. So, next in the news, um, the USDA have recently released a report saying that criminal activity in cryptocurrency has dropped 80% since 2013. That's good. I said, Dolph. That is good. So, mate, what's going on with Facebook and cryptocurrency?
1: There were two interesting little pieces that CCN highlighted. Um, one is that Facebook met with the cryptocurrency project Stellar, which is backed by people like IBM and other sort of. Exciting people. Stella
0: Lumens. Stella
1: Lumens. Yeah. Business Insider reported that um, Facebook's blockchain research group recently met with Stella to discuss how the conglomerate could leverage distributed ledger net technology as it explores potentially building out a payments network. You have a very interesting looking facial reaction right now.
0: I've just been scared of this for a long time because. Right. Why? I, well, if Facebook can make a convenient payment system, which means that people don't really have to touch the banking system and can settle transactions between themselves on Messenger or Mm -hmm. do what they can do on Steemit, which is like tip people money for posting things. I can see a lot of people adopting it really quickly. Mm. I can see it being a big thing.
1: They're cross-border. I mean, Mm. it's the biggest country.
0: Yeah. Like you've got 2 billion people on the network and if Facebook can make a way that you can exchange value between the network, Mm. especially if you can integrate that into... People, giving value to people's posts and mm. those kind of things like Steam it does, you can very quickly create like a, a real monetary Oh, wow. Account. That would be huge.
1: Yeah. So, That's I'm insane. not
0: surprised they're doing it. I'm actually surprised they're only in talks now mm. because I honestly think something like a Facebook pay or something more formal from Google, I don't know if Google mm. are really equipped to do it, but like a Facebook pay or a Twitter pay or something that leverages a really big existing network, I think it could be killer.
1: So it's not build it and they will come. They're saying they have already here, yep. and now let's give them some. That's yep. very very a very good point. And Facebook's got a
0: history of good user uptake with like their big, their big products as yeah. well because you know, they integrate it so well Shh. into their platforms. That's a great point. Yeah.
1: Well, good thinking. Wow, my goodness. Yeah. The second piece um, is Facebook's crypto lead has stepped down from the Coinbase
0: board. So, David Marcus, a Facebook vice president and the former head of its messenger division, has stepped down from his post at Coinbase, um, which is a role he originally took at the cryptocurrency exchange giant last December. So, right at the height of all the mania, he took the role and now he's, uh, he's stood down. I wonder if his portfolio's shrunk to the point where he's decided he needs to go get a real job. <laughs> That was great. You know, and you're just like, (laughs) hot takes, you're on the (laughs) FOMO (laughs) show.
1: That was fantastic. I enjoyed that. Cool little piece of news on the search engine front. Google um, are releasing a new Cameos app, which is basically for celebrities. Mm. And it lets celebrities answer questions from search results. So if you were Kanye West, Google would feed you a list of questions that are most searched about you, you know, Why is Kanye always wearing, you know, leather jeans or something like that? Yeah. And he would be able to log into the app. I'm guessing it would verify him somehow. Mm. And he could just pick the top questions and just record a selfie answer. And it would actually play those back in the search results, which would be really cool.
0: That's pretty cool. Yeah. And you could have a lot of fun with that, too. If you were like a celebrity with a sense of humor. Oh. You know.
1: Can you imagine? Oh, man. How many cool people? Yeah.
0: Bill Nye. Get this (laughs) app. He is, like, my favourite. Well, like, you could ask intellectual questions to Stephen Fry and he could, like, just sit there and and tell you about things. Next bit of news. So, Gary Vaynerchuk, who is... Probably the most famous social media marketer, I'd say. I guess you'd say that. Yeah, yeah. He's built out a real niche for himself. He's actually been saying that bartering is something which he sees growing in a big way in the next 10 years or so.
1: Mm, So he's a speaker, entrepreneur, YouTuber. Check him out if you haven't before. If you need to just get motivated to do a bit of work... Listen to a bit of Gary Vaynerchuk. Um, he grew his dad's wine company like 20 times or more through video, AdWords and marketing back in the day. Now he runs a big agency. But, yeah, he's always looking at, like, the trends of what are kids doing, what are these people doing. And, I mean, he's keeping an eye on all these new developments. And, yeah, it, it, it seems to be really big. You know, he's talking about you know, people trading this for that. You know, he's. I think he even went out and said something like, oh, my company needs catering or something like that yep. for the next few years, yep. we're willing, if you're a catering company and you're willing to provide those services, we're willing to give you some of our services in mm. marketing and advertising, mm. which are really valuable to you, mm. but without exchanging money, but that sort of bartering and trade economy.
0: Yeah. Yep. And there was a there was a guy called James War at Bot Conscious on the weekend. Mm. He's from a company called Blue Block. Mm. He's a director there. And uh, he had a really interesting take on this kind of thing. His premise was essentially that People will end up tokenizing a lot of the things that we have in our day-to-day life, and mm. exchange value that way. You know, so if you are like a catering company, you know, you mm. could tokenize ten hours of your service mm. and, and trade it to someone else, or mm. you could, um, if you've if you've got you know this this barter thing, if you've got the shoes and you you want to do an exchange with someone, you could exchange the rights to those shoes uh, wow. in a very liquid way and get yeah. something in return. That's so exciting. It's a controversial view and it's it's definitely something that you'll need to check out and, and look at for yourself, but uh, very interesting. It's and worth a look at their website and, 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 and their view on things because uh, it, in their mind, it, it seems to be the way that they think things will go in the future. And
1: the blockchain makes sense for that sort of thing as well, like immutable sort of...
0: Yeah, if you're going to exchange value in a way that makes it so that it's it's liquid and it's fluid, yeah, it definitely does make sense
1: last little piece really worth checking out the pictures in this click on the link in the show notes the world's largest aircraft will have luxurious bedrooms and glass floors so is this like massive blimp that (laughs) is designed to go across like i think it's from like london to new york or something like that in a few days not like not hours um but if you look at those pictures it's so cool like a glass floor under your chair Mm. so you can just sort of see the clouds below and Go around in luxury
0: and the, yeah. Doesn't a blimp just seem like an enormous waste of space to you? Know? Like, because you look at this photo and there's like this little <laughs> little bit at the bottom <laughs> where people can actually sit. And there's this massive aircraft just full of air, you know? That's and you- so true. <laughs> these
1: things these aircraft though, are gonna be like have the potential to be huge though, because yeah. they can pick up so much weight yeah. and yeah, as long as they don't, you know, pop or anything. That's
0: you know. blimps. Is, you can actually go down a real rabbit hole looking at like the history of blimps oh. and why blimps aren't a thing now. Because there was a time when there was a, a huge amount of blimps flying around, like a, like kind of between World War One and World War Two. Really? There was a, a real pickup in in blimp use, and there used to be a lot of them in the sky, and then there was the big disaster. A, a mm. massive Hindenburg. Blimp. Hindenburg, something. that yeah. was it. Yeah, and you can find paintings and photos of it and all sorts of things. Like, it essentially caught a light just as it was trying to land and burnt everyone alive in the that was in the blimp. But that mm. kind of stopped it then. Mm. But um, there's... I, I remember watching a show called Fringe like way back in the day. Right. And uh, they had like an alternate reality. And then that reality blimps had kept going, you know. And wow. then the Hindenburg disaster never happened. And they still use them today because... Yeah, like there are so many like use cases that Mm. make sense for for blimps because they can carry so much Mm, weight. mm. Mm.
1: So they're getting a a sort of a second chance after that particular disaster. So it's really exciting to see. But yeah, check out the link, the images on that link in the show notes. Really cool.
0: Wherever you're joining us from, absolute pleasure having you here. Why not drop into our Telegram channel and say hello? Yeah,
1: fomo.show slash Telegram.
0: So in this week's cool tool, we're going to look at a tool called Crypto Panic, and it won't take us long because it's a very simple tool. Joe and I, as you probably know, both use Feedly mm. as our like information aggregation service, mm. um, and but Crypto Panic is kind of like a free version of that, specifically for the blockchain and crypto world. Mm. Crypto Panic it allows you to uh, you, you can see price alerts, you can follow certain feeds, and mm. filter other certain feeds out, but. It basically aggregates a lot of the information for you. Uh, you can you can put in your portfolio if you if you really want to do that. You can look at some media that it's aggregated, but it's just a really simple page. If, even if you just check it once a day, you can mm. kind of get a pretty good idea of what's going on just by scrolling down mm. it.
1: Yeah, they've also got a pro version that sounds interesting, saying like nine bucks a month extra. You get instant alerts for currencies of your high interest and receive news immediately in your email or get notified on mobile, which is
0: pretty cool. Yeah, I think their big thing is targeting traders more than anything Mm. else. It looks, uh, it reminds me a lot of the uh, Bloomberg terminal, the way it's kind of set up and the color scheme. And I think that might be what they're going for. And yeah, they're offering a, a beta of a terminal there too. So. Check it out, see what you reckon. I mean, it, look, we're always looking for better ways to filter our information. Joe's pulling up some uh, some pretty interesting looking graphs too here on the side that I didn't even realise it did.
1: Mm. This is keen. Yeah, I was just like I clicked on EOS, and then the news all changed to EOS, and then it just shows me all the latest news from EOS, and alongside a a chart a depressingly cool.
0: depressingly low price
1: chart so the screen is split in two Yeah, on the right hand side are charts um, of the EOS price and then on the left hand side is the news but you can actually basically piece the news sort of manually you can see the news in order and you can also see the price movement so it's kind mm. of interesting
0: so yeah that's Crypto Panic we'll put the link in the show notes and mm. uh, yeah check it out
1: So in this week's feature, we're covering the tech behind smart cities. Figures from GE claim that 60% of the world's population will live in urban areas by 2050.
0: So think about that, 100-year-old cities with booming populations. There's a few challenges.
1: Yeah. So this all started because I was browsing the Cisco website because I got a new job and I was doing some research for it. And I just got so excited. I was exploring their website and I saw their smart city section. Mm. So I was clicking around and it's pretty wild.
0: See, you told me that you were researching Cisco, and I instantly said, "Who?"
1: I mean, if you've worked in big enterprises, then Cisco is probably something that's not surprised to you. If you work in mm. mining, you, Cisco probably run your phones and your your networking and all that sort of thing. But they're often the backbone of a lot of this communications that none of us ever really see. Yeah, and unless you're working for a big, big business, you're never really going to come across it. Mm. So there was a useful piece in Smart Cities World where they listed the top. 15 smart companies in this new index that was carried out by uh, Compass Intelligence. So the top 15 companies were ranked and we've put them in the show notes with links to the Smart Cities page for each one um, of those companies and it's a really interesting way of mm. seeing what these companies are doing. So it goes from General Electric in First and through Intel, AT&T, Microsoft, Amazon, Honeywell, IBM, Google, Cisco, Dell, Ericsson, Qualcomm, Huawei, can't pronounce that properly, mm. Verizon and Schneider Electric. So a lot of companies, yeah. a, lot of big names. a lot of big names. Check out the websites because it's really worth like, diving into those the yeah. individual offerings they have.
0: Yeah, A lot of what we talk about around smart cities is in the future, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But where are we at right now? What, what, are, what are companies doing right now? that we're probably not even aware of in our cities.
1: It comes down to a few different categories. Networking in smart grids, so like you know infrastructure for internet and all those sorts of things and smart and energy grids. Then you've got um, AI-driven surveillance, which is one of the most sinister and probably one of the main reasons for smart cities coming into practice, which is like it or not it's happening mm. um so ai driven surveillance is the second one transport management and like parking intelligent parking stuff smart led lighting and smart lighting in cities environmental monitoring in uh, irrigation control structure monitoring and public kiosks so those are the areas that we're going to cover today mm. feel free to check out some of those companies but let's start with like networking and smart grids
0: So, Wi-Fi and connectivity and power are all huge, demand's growing, and the infrastructure really needs to grow to to accommodate that. And we're seeing a bit of talk about this between around like 5G and you hear about networking, uh, uh, mesh networking a bit. Mm. Tell us a little bit more about what's actually happening.
1: If you live in a city, um, and well, even if you don't live in a city, there's a huge amount of demand on that sort of on the internet for example like if uh, there were some stats that said if everyone in Australia went online at the same time the internet would crash (laughs) now as more and more people get you know start using more and more data where you know Mm. when we've got 360 video being streamed across the internet Mm. all these things taking place it's going to have like such a toll on the network so getting the the infrastructure there is really really interesting so that's networking communication stuff switches fiber cables and then there's the power side of things so one that's really interesting looking at is general electric they've got some really interesting grid stuff got solar solutions on-site energy storage electric vehicle charging solutions and like smart energy savings by like predicting a usage and sort of trying to work it out so that buildings can function more intelligently. So there's the idea of like microgrids. yeah. Um, and there are a bunch of companies involved in this, all of this sort of tech. Schneider Electric, General Electric are involved in the electrical side of things. Mm. Um, but Microsoft, Amazon, Qualcomm and Huey are also getting in on that networking side of things.
0: Yeah, I've seen a lot of press here in Australia about Huey and several other Chinese companies that are really trying to get in on the on the 5G networking stuff right here, here mm, and now because mm. the poten- you see, you look at that and it will be a lot quicker than mm. any kind of network we have currently.
1: The next piece is like AI-driven surveillance.
0: Yes, this is a big one. So, there's we, we've got a, a bunch of IoT devices which are really starting to get switched on. Everything seems to have mm. an IoT chip in it these days and uh, we've, there's also machine vision-enabled camera, cameras which are beginning to lead to an explosion in data. Mm, and, mm. The, the, the issue we've got is that AI is, is sorry th- th- there is so much data mm-hmm. there is just so much raw data coming into these systems mm-hmm. that it's impossible for humans to filter Mm, you know, we, mm, we just mm. we just do not have the brain capacity to filter it so mm. people are beginning to build these machine learning and AI algorithms to look f- to, to categorize all this stuff and look for patterns and also mm. look for anomalies mm. yeah
1: yeah exactly so I mean it's Intel AT;T Microsoft Amazon Dell Honeywell Hue- Huey and Verizon they're all looking at this sort of surveillance center technology where, where you can have like hubs for government and and law enforcement so it's taking, it's harvesting all of this data from all these devices around your city, parking, traffic management, you know, CCTV, and then pair, pairing that with like machine vision of like analyzing what's going on on the cameras. Mm. So like to try and work out what's going on. And when you've got all this data coming in, AI is filtering it and saying, here's what's important. Here's something going on here. Someone's speeding at you know, four times the speed limit and endangering everyone else. Mm. It's terrifying
0: but kind of interesting. So, the thing that stood out with me, mate, when uh, when we were discussing this before the show was you mentioned uh, that because there's so much of this technology and there's, there's there's so much attention being paid to surveillance, that the words predictive analytics are beginning to be, th- be throw- thrown mm. around in the space. So, mm. talking about analyzing certain data trends in a predictive way mm. and training computers... Um, to to look at certain data patterns and try and predict what's going to happen mm. in the future.
1: There's probably like a rough part of the town that you live in yeah. where, you know, every Saturday night, that's where everyone goes on a night out. And then, you know, every now and then there are crimes in that area. So if you're taking all the data every Friday night, all these people are having drinks here. You know, we've got a larger influx than normal that we're monitoring on the cameras going in. So obviously there might be more crime this Friday night.
0: So send in the cops and break it all up? Yeah, before it happens. Mm. Yeah, the moment I saw that, I was thinking, I've seen this. This is the movie Minority Report.
1: And there's nothing to worry about at (laughs) all.
0: Keep calm and carry on.
1: (laughs) Mate, you you are somebody who I know loves having a run-in with parking
2: spots.
0: (laughs) Yes. It's one of my favourite things. No, it's not really. But look, there uh, there was a stat out of General Electrics recently which said 30% of the cars circling a city are searching for a parking spot.
1: How insane is that? I mean, I got a text from you the other day being like, mate, it just took me 30 minutes to find a parking spot. Yeah,
0: so Joe and I work together on certain days of the week currently, but not for much longer. Mm. And uh, there's a show going on here in Brisbane, like our, our state oh, yeah. state show called The Ecker. I was driving around trying to find a park and could not work out why none of the spots, which normally have plenty of parks for me, uh, didn't have any parks. And so I ended up parking like a good four or five blocks further away mm. from where I normally park, I was like half an hour later than I normally am. Mm. Yeah, I spent all that time circling looking for a parking spot. <laughs> but if i had known there were none, you know, I would have just gone automatically to the mm. places where I knew there were some. That's one of the
1: the next challenges for the smart city. And there are a bunch of companies who are talking about. Cisco, General Electric, Verizon, Huey, Microsoft, Intel. They're all looking at transport management, and parking optimization. So there are three sort of areas of this. You've got smart parking, which is like finding car parking spots, dynamic pricing for parking. Mm. So like at certain times of the day, maybe like increasing the prices for these parking spots. It's all designed to make cities more money, Mm. really. So Mm. if you've ever been in your parking spot for, you know, a minute more than you'd bought, then this is going to be so efficient at charging you money. And so governments are going to love this. And they're, of course, going to put it in because it makes them money. Yeah. But, you know, IoT sensors on the parking spot. So it's going to go, it's going to keep going in this direction. Yeah. I mean, if if that's where the money is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and they're also looking at smart public transport as well. So uh, optimizing the public transport service, mm-hmm. uh, which, mm-hmm. which at least where we are has many many inefficiencies, and mm-hmm. uh, and and also looking at fleet management, uh, public transport style apps, which can provide more information yeah. to people, yeah, and, yeah. and and you know even things like I've I've seen that that being talk about tracking all the public transport vehicles. So mm. if you're a commuter you can see where all the buses are mm. and you can see, you know, where the most optimal place that you could go to a stop. Mm. If you've got like four stops to choose from, you could mm. go to one because you know you're going to get picked up a minute earlier and traffic's lighter on that bus's route, it's really et cetera, et cetera. You know, there's, there's, it's all to do with data, isn't it?
1: So, I mean, even with that fleet management side of things, I think it was Microsoft working with like to help optimize routes for garbage trucks. Yeah. So that would like save huge like save petrol and save money and mm. make things more efficient which yep. is kind of interesting. Yeah. The final sort of prong of this um, transportation management stuff is intelligent traffic management. So a lot of companies are looking at these smart traffic signals and um, so you've probably wherever you live you, you've probably seen like in you know, a dynamic speed limit sort of signs where it changes you know one day you're driving along it's you know 80 kilometers an hour the next time it's 60 or 40 or whatever in traffic Mm. so they can all sort of adjust it Yeah. but smart traffic signals and uh, speed control sort of tech is really interesting yeah along with cameras along the way with like machine vision to catch any infringements Mm. you make when you're driving.
0: (laughs) And it's all setting it up for automated vehicles, isn't it? I Mm. mean, this is all essentially laying the groundwork. All this stuff will eventually be the rails on which automated vehicles operate on.
1: Yeah, yeah, 100%. I mean, there's so much data in this. And one of the really useful things, it has so much potential use, is using all this traffic data to improve routes. Mm. I mean... Imagine if you could just get some smart signals that turn cars on alternate directions each. Yeah, it knows where your destination is, and it's trying to f- spread the traffic throughout the city. Yeah, through like smart routes. Yeah. that would be kind of interesting. Yeah,
0: because in in so many cities, there's there's some main routes which get really really congested. But then if you go, you know, 500 meters over parallel to that route, there mm. might be no one on the road mm. you know, because. Because at the moment, the navigations or even just the ways that people know in their heads, they, they're going on one road because that's, that's where it's telling them to go. But uh, if you can start splitting all that up and sending people mm. in alternate directions, you can get more people going in the same direction.
1: So, Google and TomTom Tom and Apple Maps and all these people, they... That would be really interesting for them to sort of work together on that. It's nothing nothing there yet, but, I mean, it's really interesting that they're taking this data and they're able to take this data and put in these, like... So it's it's the move towards, like, right now, it's just, like, you know, smart controls and cameras at lights and stuff, but it's moving further forward in that direction.
0: yeah. So, next bit is uh, smart LED lighting. So, they've estimated that there could be seventeen billion dollars worth of annual savings to cities by 2019 if they install smart street lights and devices.
1: There are a bunch of different companies looking at this as well. It just makes sense. I mean, if if no one's walking around, then you know it's probably not worth having street lights on or mm. optimizing when they switched on and off. Yeah. You know, anybody who's driven around a city, you'll see there's just all the lights are on mm. and there's. Almost no reason for a lot of them, and that's so much
0: waste. Yeah, it is.
1: And you've got a bunch of IoT companies looking at environmental
2: monitoring.
0: Yeah, so Dell, Intel, many of the others are are all looking at how they can monitor the different facets of our city environment. And uh, many cities actually already have this in place as Mm -hmm. well, Um, a lot of these systems... To, uh, to monitor what's going on. And mm. I know that I think some water here in Queensland, they do a lot of this already. They've got mm. a lot of sensors in different rivers and different inlets and all sorts of pumps and all sorts of things, and they can see it all on a big system in their offices and mm. manage where the water's going.
1: at and are interestingly working on irrigation control for cities. They were saying that, you know, a lot of the cities who are like automating like the watering of gardens and stuff like that could be wasting a huge amount of water... Mm water management is one of the big areas to look at i mean you've got civic ledger who's an australian business they've been working with the government looking at water measurement and sort of working in the trading side of things there which yeah. is an interesting approach yeah mm-hmm. leading on from that is structure monitoring it's really interesting especially in an american context because um according to at and almost one in ten u.s bridges are rated as structurally deficient wow now that has been a big problem in US infrastructure. I mean, it's it's just a ticking time bomb, really. Yeah. And yeah. what they're suggesting is just IoT devices on bridges and other infrastructure assets that monitor position and you know, yeah. probably seismic, seism, seismic stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can even drill down further into that because, I mean, I've been using a lot of, like, car park lifts the last few days because mm. I've been at the conference and a few other things I've been doing I mean parking in a lot of like mm. secure parking areas. There's been a couple of lifts I've kind of sat in and I've looked around and I've been like yeah, this mm. is an old-looking lift. And yeah. I wonder how often this is checked. And because you don't know. Mm. You know, you mean and and the thing is if that was installed 30 years ago it might be good for another 10 years or 20 years, but how do you know when it gets to the point where it needs to be replaced? That is
1: such a good point. That is such a great, and you comment. can
0: apply that to nearly everything wow. in our infrastructure. Yeah. You know, how do yeah. you know when it gets to the point where something's going wrong? Um, if you're getting data from it, mm-hmm. that's different. You know, if you're able to assess certain parts of the machine automatically because it's feeding you data, mm-hmm. uh, then that's that's good. But you know, otherwise, you're just relying on people coming and checking it when they need to check it and making a good assessment of it.
1: These tiny little devices, you know, this whole IoT thing makes a lot of sense when you talk about the smart city because it's all about them all
0: working together. Yeah.
1: And there's so much crazy stuff going on there. Yeah. People would end up be building those into their products from the start. Yeah. You know, if you're building like a new pipe for, you know, sewage or something, maybe you'd have a little device at certain to measure the levels. Yeah. So you know, oh, this one's getting clogged. That's where you send the poor bloke down to
0: unplug it. Or the bot in 10 or mm. 20 years. You know mm. what I mean? We're not, we're not that far away now from, you know, a lift company having a fleet of bots which mm. go out and service their lifts whenever they get sent a mm. message from an IoT device. Like, that's on the horizon. Wow. And uh, that's the kind of things we need to be thinking about now uh, when we're building this stuff.
1: The thing that was surprisingly not covered by a lot of these companies that are looking at smart city stuff, only two companies I saw were really talking about this were Intel and Verizon. They're talking about public kiosks, just mm. information things around the city, you know, touch screens where you can find out, you know, what's on, things to do, places to go, or people to get in contact with. That's going to get really exciting in the future.
0: Yeah, yeah. I've seen some really interesting stuff from... I've been looking at a lot of VR things and Amazon Sumerian in particular, they've got Mm -hmm. some really interesting AR and VR tech where you could have like an AR assistant take you around the city. And wow. tell you, like, if you just put their glasses on, yeah. kind of like what Google Glass were trying to do a while ago, but uh, you could have an AR assistant taking around the city. That, that would be uh, insane. Talk to you about different parts of the city. I wow. uh, saw so Free Market Token who were at the conference on the weekend. Mm. They're doing things with AR and a similar kind of thing. You know, you might have advertisement in your AR goggles mm. from Coca-Cola, which you can go up and uh, bash with your AR sword and get, wow. get paid in, in cryptocurrency for, for your attention on that uh on that that billboard and interacting with it, even Jeez, if you're bashing it or something. And that's then, awesome. Now talking about having uh certain shops, you know, you'd be able to look around and you'd be able to click on a shop and they could say, Hey, this is what we offer. Wow. This is a deal if you come wow. in. Um so yeah, a lot of cool stuff like that.
1: This um, AR future is wild. Yeah. Like the fact that you put on a pair of glasses and overlaying your world.
0: Yeah is just more world. It's scary in a way too because like we we're already so we've already got so much information at our fingertips. Mate, for me personally I know that if I had glasses on, which were like AR glasses, I would have like cryptocurrency prices in one corner and like <laughs> I'd have like news scrolling if down my side. The number of tabs you like have open is to go by.
1: Your <laughs> AR experience is gonna be filthy.
0: You'll <laughs> You'd, like, look through my glasses and I'd just have, like, these little slits for the real world, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. Mate. yeah, I'd be, like, watching a YouTube video while I was, like, reading something on the other side of my glasses. That would be insane.
1: So, augmented reality tour guides sounds wild. I mean, I, like, my girlfriend went to the Vatican years ago with her family and they went on, like, a they had a tour guide to take them around. Yeah. And they were locked in for, like, an eight-hour tour. Oh. And it was just...
0: Oh, in the Vatican, we only in had Nevada like an thing. hour and a half tour. Oh, was... well,
1: they got absolutely con. There was a pregnant woman who was on like the verge of fainting. <laughs> oh, no. But you could imagine just like going at your own pace, like yeah. at the beginning, because even when you hook this into the data behind that, you could say, here's what I'm interested in. So I yeah. like paintings, Yeah, you know, I don't mind a stained glass window or two, yeah. or, you know, I like architecture. And then it yeah. would like show you a tour. That would yeah. be insane. Yeah. What's possible with that? It's yeah. just
0: nuts. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I always get the audio guides whenever I go to any kind of, Castle or, or the Louvre or whatever it, whatever it is, you know, because I just love, like, walking around at my own pace and, like, hearing about things as I walk. Mm. Um, the obvious next step from that too is, and it isn't really related to smart cities, but if they can use 3D cameras to rebuild a lot of these areas and they're doing mm. already with real estate, I mean, it's not too far off where you'll be able to experience the Vatican, quote-unquote, in VR. You do not even need to be there. It won't be exactly the same, but it's... Saves you a ticket to Rome. So, we've covered a, a lot of smart city stuff and we've tried to be as least dystopian as we possibly could. <laughs> Full disclosure, like a, a lot of this stuff that we've been talking about actually really scares us. Like mm. it's exciting in the tech sense mm. and we love talking about tech, but the consequences for personal liberty and personal freedom, Mm. um, the ability to keep at least parts of your life private Mm. are pretty horrendous. Like Mm. if a lot of this stuff gets implemented, it means that you're being watched all the time. AI algorithms are keeping a very, very specific eye on everything you do. And if you Mm. set one foot wrong, uh, it's going to be very easy for those algorithms to punish you. Mm. A a lot of this data is being collected by companies too that are partnering with these government organizations. And none of this data that is collected about you really belongs to you. So Kai um, from from our Telegram chat and uh, and she helps run our blockchain for business meetup as well. Mm. So when she found out that we were talking about smart cities, she sent us through this link and mm. said, "Guys, mm. you really need to look at this." And mm. so um, you've had a big look through it, mate, and you, you've got some some key takeaways from it. We'll put the link in the show notes, of mm. course.
1: Really worth checking this article out. It's on Wired. Um, it's about Barcelona. They're turning the data paradigm on its head and putting citizens in control. Now, it's really, really interesting. So, Barcelona is... It's where there's the Smart City Expo every few years. I'm pretty sure that's where they have Mobile World Congress. This city's got, like, huge amounts of... It's got a massive sensor network that takes data on transport, energy usage, noise levels, irrigation, all kinds of things. And as... People were living their lives in the city. The data was being harvested and funneled into City Hall and to their private sector partners where they were analyzing it for insight in how the city could be run more efficiently or, you know, is used by the private sector to develop services and products for sale. But it didn't really have a lot of benefit to the citizens Mm. outside of the, you know, the the overall improving city in some ways. There was a new mayor of Barcelona, Ada Colau, an activist with no experience in government, and she called for a democratic revolution. So she's been working for a few years with civic-minded coders and cryptographers to build tools to turn this on its head. Their efforts have centred on two things. The first is opening up governance through participatory processes and greater transparency. The second is redefining the smart city to make sure it serves citizens rather than the other
0: way around. So the group started by creating a digital participatory platform called Decidem, which means We Decide in Catalan. And just for background, Catalan is like the language of Barcelona. Um, and they, they, they actually view themselves as like a separate ethnic group from Spain. Mm. This has all come on the heels of a lot of a uh, uh, big movement in Catalan to separate mm-hmm. from Spain and mm-hmm. some, some very heavy-handed tactics from the Spanish government to keep them there. Mm. So, there's been some political motivations behind all of this Mm. stuff as well. Uh, But but what they actually say is this platform allows the public to participate directly in government Mm. as they would on social media by suggesting ideas, debating them, and voting with their thumbs.
1: And the stats came out saying that you know, over 70% of the proposals for the, in the government agenda came directly from c- citizens, wow. and over 40,000 citizens proposed these policies, which is a lot of people. It doesn't matter how many million people you have in your city, 40,000 people contributing ideas is pretty cool.
0: Yeah. They wanted to create technological tools, which meant that citizens themselves could control their data... Uh, and that data that they produce in the city and choose precisely who to share it with. And they made another project called Project Decode, which stands for Decentralized Citizen-Owned Data Ecosystems. And it was partly funded by the EU and uh, and it does work with the GDPR laws yeah, which came in as sort well. of
1: privacy in controlling your personal data. Yeah. The project aims to develop and test an open-source, distributed and privacy-aware technology architecture for, it's quite a mouthful, decentralised data governance and identity management. So what it will basically do is it will effectively invert the current situation where right now you don't really know about the operators of the services you're registered with um, and those services, meanwhile, know all of your data. Mm. So this project is looking to let citizens decide what data they want to keep private and what data they want to share with whom, on what basis and to do what.
0: Yeah, so the City Hall is giving residents censors to place in their neighbourhoods, and these sensors are directly integrated into the city's sensor network, Centilo, and they gather data on air quality and noise pollution, uh, and also influence uh, city-level decisions. Mm. That's a pilot program which addresses the technical challenge of collating and storing a stream of citizen source data while giving those citizens complete control of what information is shared. So, it's essentially helping the city make its public services better, but letting people volunteer that information Mm. and letting Mm. people be directly involved Mm. in how that information is used as opposed to the kind of stuff that we were looking at before, Mm. which is essentially companies and governments Working behind the scenes with people's data and not giving them any involvement at all.
1: It's really interesting because the idea of just giving this data to the people, um, a few different governments have got sort of statistics websites where you can get the statistics, and it's really, it's kind of cool. But this is taking it a step further, you know, having like the Decidem platform. And when people use it, they see a dashboard of data aggregated and blended from a range of sources. You know, so you'd be seeing the data from around the city. So it's really it's really empowering. Like, imagine you just open up an app and it's showing you all the stats about the city you live in and care about.
0: Yeah. And it'd be really,
1: that'd be really interesting to mm. see, you know, mm. how where your taxpayer money is going, all yeah. these sorts of things.
0: And there's no reason why it shouldn't be like that, you mm. know, and I think it's really interesting that they haven't talked about blockchain technology here, but there's a lot of similar principles in the system they're building, which is decentralization, access to data, privacy and security. Mm. And uh, it's just really encouraging to Mm. see a government that's uh, actually taking this kind of stance and saying, Mm. hey, this institution is just a representation of the people. And we need to make sure the people are able to Mm. have full access and full control over what goes on in their city. Yeah.
1: Yeah. They're still pilot programs, and they're running into 2019 before potentially scaling citywide there. So, yeah, thanks for sharing that with us, Kai. Brilliant piece. And yeah. if, you, if you're if you listening and, you know, if you come across really cool pieces, do ping them into us at the FOMO Show Telegram. Yeah. Um, we'd love to see
0: it. Yeah, we can get excited about pretty much anything. so, it's so uh, true. If you're excited about it, it's pretty likely we'll get excited <laughs> as well. So, uh, yes, yeah, so that's Smart Cities, man. I think that's a really mm. good way to leave it. It's, it's quite a hopeful... Outlook for the future with that article. So, yeah, I guess that's what we can hopefully angle towards more of that and less of the uh, the the corporatocracy or...
1: AI-driven surveillance. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to cut that part out at the end because that's just... <laughs> it's so dark. I get so dark so quickly. But it's
0: not, it's not hard to get dark about oh, this me. stuff, man, because this is great, mm. but like catalan are very anti-establishment anyway you know like it's kind of the yeah. perfect place for yeah. it because they want it out of spain they've literally been like trodden back down into the ground and being like no you can't leave the eu's done nothing they're like no you can't leave because they've got more money than you and you know mm. so this is basically them saying we're going to govern ourselves thank you whether you like it or not.
1: There's an expletive somewhere around there. (laughs) Uh.
0: But that's, you know, like, that's, yeah. they're just like, look, we'll just make a new system and we'll govern ourselves. And have a siesta. Wonderful, (laughs) that's fantastic. Good on
1: them. Very interesting privacy and security section this week.
0: We're going really advanced Mm.
1: with this one. The advanced technology we're looking at this week for privacy and security is the Shredder.
0: As I like to call it, the multi thread splitting carbon wastage machine. I like it.
1: It's got a real ring to it. Yeah. And if you if you're in that if you're the type of person who every now and then throws out stuff you don't need or chucks pieces of papers or letters in a bin when you're done reading them, you know, from your bank or credit institution or anything like that, there's a lot of people who'll just chuck stuff. Now just stop. There are people who go around when you're at work and check your rubbish bins now it sounds a bit you know who would or, you know what values in my rubbish i've only got five bucks in the bank there's more value to you than your money mm. your identity you've heard of it before but buying a simple shredder and shredding your papers before you get rid of them is in, you know it's a very good idea they don't cost a lot either
0: yeah yeah i was actually chatting to someone on the weekend who had their identity stolen wow and uh and re- yeah. really, really interesting. We're planning on having him on the show sometime. Ooh. So, I'll let him tell the story himself. It's uh, It was pretty full on. And I, and I just ma- want to make sure that he wants to tell the story. But he told another story of a woman in the States mm. who uh, who had her identity stolen. And the lady who stole it traveled around the world and opened up over 500 credit card accounts. Oh, because wow. she got enough information from this lady, including her bank details, to be able to to basically say that she was that lady. And this this poor woman uh, who had like a, a child, I think she was a single mother, she spent five years trying to undo the damage that this person had done, all because she'd gotten enough personal information mm-hmm. about her that she could mm-hmm. essentially travel the world, rack up credit card debt wherever she went, and leave... Uh, yeah, this this poor lady to, to clean up the mess at the end of Sheesh. it. Sheesh. It's really serious. Like mm. it's a really serious thing. And most of that information that she that she would have gotten probably would have come from something like this.
1: That's insane. So yeah So the
0: solution to that shred your documents. <laughs> shred your documents. I've got a shredder sitting right next to us here where we're sitting in, in the office. And uh my little shredder cost me twenty dollars. Nice. You know nice. and you just need to oil it once every Three months or six months, depending on how much you Shredder oil, <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's to <laughs> oil a shredder. <laughs> yeah, you get, little, you get some oil for it, and you just to uh, you know make sure it shreds well. Where do
1: you go? I want to buy some shredder oil. <laughs> Sorry, continue. Twenty dollars shredder.
0: Twenty dollars for a shredder. It's <sighs> the cheapest privacy tool you'll probably ever buy, <sighs> and uh, you don't have to shred everything. Just mm. anything that has your name on it or your mm. private details mm. on it. Just, um, even if you... And just, yeah, like, tear things off. Don't just throw mail out that's addressed to you. Throw anything that doesn't refer to you by name, but just shred it if it mm. does. And then you just mm. throw it out. It's, and besides,
1: shredded paper um, can be quite good if you're a gardener and you want to, you know, get some, get some good sort of... Stuff in the soil, you yeah. know, mm. bit
0: of bit of shredded paper. Or if you've paper. got a bird, like a bird's like yeah. shredded paper or, yeah. or mice, or I bunny, think. maybe cats as mm. well. i don't know if cats. Cats like. love pretty much anything. Yeah, right, don't so I think you could put it in your, your your litter tray for your cat or something. Fantastic. There you go. There's so many things you can do with <laughs> Look, even if you're not passionate about security, just get yourself a shredder. Like yeah. it's really good fun.
1: So we have a guest who's a regular attendee on our show. Um, His name's Dan Dan, the ICO man. Um, He's actually retired from a long and distinguished career in a shopping channel uh, presentation, which is not as easy as you might think. Mm. He's a regular on here, knows what he's talking about, and he's always got something interesting to give our audience.
0: Yeah, yeah, look, he always likes to think he adds value. He doesn't. Mm. And we always put a, a big fat disclaimer on anything Dan says. Don't get in contact with him. But look, he provides us some great entertainment value mm. and he came out of he came out of retirement to uh to make as much money as he could in this market. So look, you gotta give your hats off to him. He's uh he's working his angle and he's working it very hard.
1: Mm. Let's give him a call. <laughs> Hey Danny are you there?
2: Joe is that you? Yeah it's me man
1: how you doing what's, what's good what's new?
2: Well Joe I've been run off my feet with my ultimate ICO success formula and my ICO advisory business but look Joe all the time now I'm being asked what is next for Dan Dan the ICO man.
1: Yeah, so what is next?
2: Well, Joe, the biggest issue in this space is that so many people don't believe they can run an ICO. I keep telling them you've got to have faith in yourself. You've got to know that this is the best market possible to make some money. But they don't think they can do it. They get to the end of my course, Joe, and they just say, Joe, I just don't know if I can do this. My moral scruples won't allow me to do it. So, Joe, I'm thinking I I, I need a little something extra here. I need, to, I need to make it easier for the people to issue their tokens with whatever they want to do.
1: Huh. So what's the product?
2: Well, Joe, look, people out there, when they, when they are launching their ICO, they're going out there and they're going through expensive legal processes. They're worrying about compliance. And Joe, they can skip all that and just sell to unsophisticated investors. So I've come up with what I call the ICO everything ultimate platform. Joe, it's my own blockchain platform, which makes it super easy for you to launch your own token. You can tokenize anything, fish, spoons, forks and spoons. Joe, you can tokenize luxury cutlery. Whatever you want to tokenize, you can do it. And what's that you say, Joe? You don't have any blockchain experience at all? Not to worry, you can start a token too. There's plenty of ICOs out there that have already done it, Joe. Why, just this last week, I saw an ICO called Global Tech. And boy, they're quite clearly just sprinkling a little blockchain on their idea. I mean, literally, this is a quote from their frequently asked questions, Joe. It says, Global Tech is the next evolution of the trading and exchange platform. Our platform offers more than just standard trading and exchange. It's the first of its kind, a one-stop shop for all your crypto investing needs. The platform is user-friendly and appropriate for investors of all levels. New investors to elite traders, Joe. That is right out of the ICO Dan platform, Joe. I feel like I could have written that myself. It's so convincing. But you look at the product and there's nothing there, Joe. I mean, they're doing it right. They're just doing their ICO, getting in there and taking people's money. I love it.
1: Wow, that is insane. So what does this ICO everything platform Offer feature wise.
2: Well, Joe, the first thing is you can build in stages. So do you think that the pre 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 ICO is as deep as you can go? No, Joe, we can go deeper. On Dan Dan the ICO man's ultimate ICO platform, Joe, you can run prehistoric ICOs, which literally reach back to the Neolithic period, Joe. I've got Tyrannosauruses putting in millions all the way from the past. I know what you're asking, Joe. Has Dan Dan the ICO man built a time machine? Well, Joe, I'm still putting the ICO together on that one, so I'll let you know when it's ready. But, Joe, the one thing you won't need a time machine for is to create, launch, and market an ICO on my platform.
1: How do we get started?
2: First steps first, Joe. We spin the great ICO wheel of use cases. This is a virtual Wheel of Fortune machine, which we put a lot of thought into. It gives you some great tokenization ideas. You can be the ICO of shoe polish. You can be the ICO of paving cities, Joe. Whatever you want to be, we've got a random name generator in there, Joe. It's really fun. You spin the wheel. It comes up with your tokenization idea, and you can just spin up your ICO. Wow. Second, you put together your white paper. We've got a great drag and drop one on this, Joe. We've made it really intuitive for our listeners. Really, really schmick templates for our users, Joe. We've got spinny graphics. We've got graphs going up. The whole lot. Everything you would expect from a professional ICO white paper, Joe. Third is our Telegram tell all service this is really special joe this is something no one else is really offering we push your marketing material out over all telegram channels we can find we offer bounties we get celebrity endorsements from sports stars and and famous cricketers like that michael clark guy i saw in that global tech one joe the whole service finally what we do once we've once we've reached all that joe once we've really packaged all this up in a in a very convincing ico format joe We find a hack law firm to tell you that your ICO is not a security and build some great disclaimers which will hold no water whatsoever when the regulator decides to bring the hammer down.
1: Wow, Dan, this is... Sounding so complete, is there, is there anything else to this?
2: Yeah, Joe, there's, look, there's one final piece of the service, and I nearly didn't tell you that, but look, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give this for your listeners, just to, just to really bring them in, Joe. This last piece of the service is the kicker. It's called the get the hell out of dodge with all your money service. What this lets you do, Joe, is this lets you take all that money you fleece from people by promising the world and delivering nothing and move yourself to somewhere... Somewhere in the Western Pacific, Joe, really tie up all those loose ends. We've got contacts all over the place, Joe, that can give you new identities, can give you new accounts, Joe, and get you well out of the jurisdictions which might hold you to account for all the stuff you've just done to people. We even offer some great sleeping pills, Joe, so when you can't sleep at night from all the money you've defrauded from honest moms and dads, you can knock yourself the hell out. I personally sleep like a log, Joe, and you can too.
1: Dan, I vehemently disagree with everything you just said, but I, do you know what, we're a platform for free ideas on the FOMO show, and that was something else, Dan, that was something else.
2: Yeah, look, to be honest, Joe, I don't really care what you say, so I'm uh, going to leave now, but look, if your listeners can uh, just go to... Dan Dan, the ICO man's ultimate ICO platform. That'd be great. Joe, I got to run. I've got <laughs> got so many government organizations chasing me right now. Can't stay in one place more than a few minutes. So uh, I'll see you later when my boat gets into the next port. See you, Joe. Wow.
0: Um, well, that's, uh, that's probably the most offensive and extensive I think I've ever heard Dan be about one of his products. Mm. Obviously, we need to... Uh, we need to make it very clear that none of the views of Dan are the views of this show. No, definitely,
1: hundred percent not. No.
0: Um, and uh, look, I think it goes without saying that Dan is uh, is the the black mirror of uh, the FOMO show. Mm. So uh, we've um, we've had a call from Jordan. Uh, so last time we left him, he was in the. Uh, Somewhere off the coast of Japan, hunting Bitcoin whales on a ship from mm, memory. Yeah, it was a bit of a weird story, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah it was just a mis- bit of mystery, really. Yeah, and, and, and weird for Jordan, too, which mm. is um, which is quite an achievement. So anyway, we uh, we haven't listened to this message, so we're going to play it for you now. And uh, we'll see you on the other side.
2: First new message received today at 6pm.
0: Oh, yes, hello, madam.
1: Uh, hello? Oh, it's your, uh, it's, your, it's your answer phone. Oh. Oh yeah, you yeah, know, it's Jordan. I, um, I just wanted to call to say, you know, it's been a bit of a weird
2: story. Huh? I was out on a ship, I was chasing Bitcoin whales. I was just off the coast of Japan, scientific research, you know how it goes. I told you last week, I don't know why I'd say it again. It just got a bit weird, because, you know, we had some people chasing us down. It was, I thought, you know, I thought it was the past coming back to get de- uh, to, to get Jordan, but it actually turned out it was some, like, activists from Greenpeace. Turns out these Bitcoin whales are using far too much electricity and
1: generating their, their Bitcoin and um, I just had to uh, we just had to run away from them basically we actually uh, ended up throwing things back at them but you know it's a long story short um, I won't be back for a while There, there's a Finn crew chasing me I'm trying to get out of here
0: well I don't think we're going to be seeing Jordan here in Australia anytime soon then we were hoping that he'd yeah. He'd come along for, yeah. for Block conscious, conscious to see yeah. John McAfee. Didn't turn out, did he? No, but he actually would have been pretty disappointed too because John yeah. McAfee appeared by video. He wasn't wow. actually there in person. So, oh, you uh, can imagine. So <laughs> he would have been pretty yeah. annoyed. Yeah, he's a big fan, actually, wouldn't he? Yeah. yeah. So if you know someone who might enjoy this, please feel free to share it with your friends. Yeah, you can find us at FOMO.sh. You can jump on our telegram at FOMO.show slash telegram.
1: You can follow us on Twitter at the underscore FOMO underscore show.
0: You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the FOMO show. And YouTube at
1: FOMO.show slash YouTube.
0: That's it for us here at the FOMO show. Thank you so much for joining us. If you like our show, please do feel free to subscribe in your podcast app of choice or via our YouTube channel. I'm Matt. And I'm Joe. And as always, remember, my FOMO
1: staring
0: at me. I can't. Take it. I left it there for you. You can't. Too. I did.
1: Okay, I'll do it. Look at this olive.
0: Mm, get <laughs> it in
1: you, mate. Get it in you. That was every type of fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: that so that's, what, that's what dreams are made of. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Something about olives, man. I just... Yeah. That salty goodness. I never used to like olives.
1: Mm.
0: Never ever used to like olives. Mm. I to think what I happened? Constantly. What changed? I got old. Nice.
1: Nothing tastes quite as, well.
0: As free. Yeah. Nothing says freedom like free olives.
1: It's so true. Well, liberate, <laughs>
0: liberate there be, countries. With there might be cameras watching our every move, but at least we can get our free olives. <laughs> it makes it all worth it. They
1: send a whole division into North Korea. <laughs> couple interesting pieces came out of Facebook um, or didn't come out of Facebook but a couple of interesting pieces a ah. couple of pieces fell off Facebook a couple of things fell off uh,
0: Mark Zuckerberg is falling to pieces
1: thank you and uh, the FOMO show
0: <laughs> and Joe is not far behind
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so keep saying so
1: the whole time. So is like the bane of my language. Like I say so. I notice it when I'm editing because I'm just like, yeah. so, um. You uh, know, that's like mine's like um and you know. Filth. <laughs> I need machine learning to edit this show yeah. for me.
0: So you, you just su- need some Cisco technology to I do, just to just surveil my every.
1: Yeah so much waste yeah it is
0: and it, look it's all fun and games until Dumbledore rocks up and steals the <laughs> light of your light like bulbs isn't it really
1: <laughs> oh, that was such a good film man the first one where he's like got this light yeah like,
2: oh.
0: Albus <laughs> <laughs> Professor McGonagall <laughs>
1: does the boy live
0: a little bit of whiskey
1: um no I'm alright thank you man you go ahead though You're a dangerous man.